I'll ask anybody's questions but yours, if you're an idiot. My wife can score more than two buckets on 11 shots because I know my wife will at least shot fake one time. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my it's our favorite time of the year. All the college basketball fans love the NBA draft time, and that's where we're at right now on this Monday, November 16th on the Made for March podcast, Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. We've got our draft thoughts that we're going to dive into today. We'll also look at some of our favorite props from Bavada Sportsbook on this episode as well. Who do we like in the draft? Who do we not like in the draft? Where are we finding value on the book and how can we help you make some money? Because NBA draft coming up in two days now. So Kind of pumped. like our Christmas. It's like, I guess Selection Sunday would probably be our Christmas. But this is our Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is the, the holiday that... I think some people actually like Thanksgiving more than Christmas. A lot of people will tell you Thanksgiving is their favorite holiday, even though Selection Sunday is kind of the sacred day on the calendar for college basketball fans. Well, we also love Feast Week, but we didn't really get Feast Week, or we're not going to get the true Feast Week The true Feast Week, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's kind of like a Hanukkah because that's an extended event of, of holidays for us, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think... I think for us, it's selections, and this is every college basketball fan, it's selection Sunday, and then it's those first days, the Thursday, Friday of when the tournament starts, and that first game yeah, hits that's at like noon. Memorial Day weekend. You know you're getting a long weekend where all you're doing is one thing. Yeah. One thing, and that's watching basketball. Which, or by the way, Memorial Day, since one this thing, is, and you're drinking. Yeah. By the way, since this is a college basketball podcast, we probably should talk about the fact that Indianapolis is going to yeah. host all the games, apparently. That came out yeah, as we can get recording. into. Yeah, so here, first of all, go go check us out wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for checking out the show today. Subscribe, rate, review, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all that good stuff. And also, uh, check us out on Twitter, at MadeTheNumber4March. You can get all the latest college basketball news. I do have a couple things here that I do want to start with. So as we dive into our one and dones here on the show... One and done, my guys. Obviously, we have one in our conference. Has a doctorate degree in one and done, right? <laughs> the big news, of course, is that the NCAA tournament is going to be held in. I, it's looking like Indianapolis. I, I, nothing's been confirmed, but yeah. all signals are pointing towards Indianapolis. And Indy is one of those places that, to the common folk. Not very sexy. Not a lot of people are going to go vacation in Indianapolis. But if you ask anyone that goes to the NCAA tournament or covers the NCAA tournament, Indy's right there. Or or Super Bowls, too. Anyone that covers the Super Bowl, they love the Indy location for this stuff because everything is kind of condensed in that one area. Like all the bars, all the fun stuff, all there. All the hotels are very close proximity to the stadium, all that stuff. It's the perfect setup. And Indy, I think I saw Mark Titus tweet this out. Like, the goal of Indy, Indianapolis as a city when they founded back in like the 1800s or something like that, it was probably to host every single game of an NCAA tournament, <laughs> of a college basketball tournament. And they're going to get their wish this year. So good for the, the city of Indianapolis. Yeah, never been there, but I think all everything you're saying I agree with, even though I haven't had the opportunity to be there. It does seem like it, it makes the most logical sense. I. I feel like now the question marks become how are they going to stagger the times? Like how how often are games going to be played every day? And, and these are just twenty twenty well, questions. The way that it works too. Yeah. First of all, you you've got the the Pacers Stadium that you can use, and then of course you've got Lucas Oil, 
Lucas Oil can hold two stadium or two courts. Yeah, that's a good I'd point. Imagine. So you could kind of have a, a little summer league AAU vibe where you got a bunch of different games going on, and who knows what the fan situation is going to be like. Because if there's no fans, well, then in all honesty, you can probably get three or four courts on on a football field. At, yeah, <laughs> at Lucas Oil Stadium. So you could figure that out pretty easily, I think. Yeah, it's just odd because there won't be any West Coast games. So will games still go off at ten thirty Eastern, and and they'll just have to play them all day? Like, will we still have the? Oh, they noon? have to. Yeah. yeah, I would think so, right? But to those, if that anything, are they playing, might go later. Like, you <laughs> might get an even earlier start. Maybe we're starting these games at ten a.m. I or yeah. nine a.m. That would make more sense than going later. I feel like because. It does feel like kind of a, well, I guess it's a disadvantage to play at 10 a.m. too. I mean, that's just such an abnormal time, but, you know, everyone's going to be playing. The Pac-12 doing it with football right now. Yeah. Yeah, Your body adapts. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I I think it's just awesome that it's trending towards a solution to make the tournament a little bit better. And, you know, I was worried about, oh, we go to the tournament and then all of a sudden someone tests positive that's a key player right before and they're out. Kind of like how a couple guys for the Masters, Sergio Garcia being one of them, tested positive and then he's out. It didn't really influence the Masters too much because there was only a handful of guys or like two or three max that tested positive and were out of the tournament. But in college basketball, if you're a mid-major school that's been waiting for this moment and then you have a positive test during the travel time and, and that sets you back, that could really influence the tournament as a whole. So this, to me, makes the tournament a little less asterisky because then you you probably limit the amount of positive COVID tests when you do get to that point, and it's kind of more of a bubble environment, which is what they probably should be looking at doing more of as, as college basketball season unfolds. Because I know we were kind of talking about this. I mean, it's it's getting to the point where where COVID's kind of bucking its head again and it's spiking that it's getting a little concerning to the season and and they're going to have to make some adjustments here probably. And the bubble that would be created in Indianapolis, more like the MLB bubble than what we saw with the NBA. The NBA, I mean, as long as everyone got in there with no problems, there was very little risk of the virus actually making its way into that NBA bubble. I mean, it would... First of all, someone would have to not be doing their job. Someone would have to not be responsible. Now, again, we're talking about college kids here, and even to a degree, we're talking about millionaire athletes, too. Like, that stuff can't happen, but this is a lot closer to the MLB bubble because you're in the city. You're not in an all-inclusive sort of resort-type deal here, and that that's what's going to make it really difficult for, for all of that to happen, and I mean, we even saw the the MLB bubble was not a a complete panacea for this entire thing because Justin Turner, at the end of the day, got it, and he put the entire World Series at risk. And I think I even saw like three or four Dodgers players after the fact tested positive as a result of what maybe happened with Justin Turner. So just because you, you get into this quote-unquote bubble, again, it's not fully guaranteed. You know what I think would be fully guaranteed, Tim? And you know what we have not seen in quite some time? What's that? An aircraft carrier game. Oh, man, I, I missed like, those. Those were so Like, great. let's go, let's get on the cruise ships. We know they've got basketball courts. Let's get on the cruise ships again. And that, that you can create a bubble in. Because literally no one can get on, no one can get off. <laughs> right. So do the, the whole cruise ship deal. Of, you've got plenty of space for, for, um, 
for lodging and all that stuff. And it would, I don't know, it would kind of have like that Little League baseball vibe, like we're trading pins and stuff like that. That would be fun. And yeah. I mean, maybe the, the fan aspect is something that you're concerned about. But I mean, at the end of the day, you just need to get the, the tournament off at this point. Yeah, the only problem with that is then the wind becomes a factor on on shooting and everything and but that's kind of been a fun dynamic yeah, it's like it's like the dome games. shooting though like the, the shooting is always going to be a little weird right yeah i mean i think shooting outside Plus, don't, don't some cruise ships have indoor basketball courts too yeah you could probably I've never been on a, a cruise so i don't know but right. like i'm that's got to be a thing somewhere We'll we'll make it. We'll we'll try and do some digging. Find a court that's that's indoors on a cruise, and and find a potential location for a tournament game. I I do think it's a good idea though, and my skepticism for the season is growing a little bit. But they're going to play the season, and I think any season, like some form of a season that has a lot of just look at the way college football is going. There's been a lot of hiccups in college football, and this week most notably, I'd say when you lose Alabama and. And some of the big games that were LSU. On, yeah. I mean, and LSU has all kinds of problems. You see the stuff that came out today and, and sexual yeah. assault allegations, which is very alarming. But anyway, the the nature of the college football season, it hasn't been a flawless season. There's been a lot of hiccups, but I've still enjoyed it way more than not having sports and not having a season. So I think that's going to be probably what college basketball is and maybe even to a greater degree, given that. We're getting into winter time and, and cases are spiking and college basketball is indoors and probably affects teams a little bit more if one guy is down or one guy has a positive COVID test. But we've talked about it. I think they're going to push forward and keep chugging along. And, and I'm happy to see that they're already sort of looking into alternatives to be a better solution for the tournament. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see how. Although I will say this. Did you see Jordan Bohannon's tweet? No, from, I think I missed Iowa. That. He... He said something about, he quote tweeted the whole announcement of everything's moving to Indy and said, all right, so we've got a plan for something that's supposed to happen in what, like five months, but we don't have a plan for the season that's supposed to start next week. <laughs> it's a pretty good point. And, like, it's kind of true. Yeah. Like, that's, that is a little alarming that their ducks aren't in a row for something that's going to happen in about 10 days now. We're really coming down the stretch here. Yeah. We're going to have the rest of our previews rolling out part of our tears of joy including our wooden watches who are the teams that we think can win a national championship this year so we will do that later on in the week one more one and done that i got for you here did you see and i'm i'm surprised i haven't seen this maybe maybe i've just missed it i don't follow enough athletic accounts on um on twitter but the athletic departments that is but uh, the university of north carolina will have their cutout fans again and you can buy a cutout um, you can, I think the, the starting price is $60 and then you can get one like signed by Phil Ford, one signed by yeah, that's a cool Davis, idea. Sean May for like a hundred or 150 bucks. And then one signed by Roy for two fifty. I've got a, a proposition for you, Tim. Okay. Got a proposition for you here. I think we need to be in as many stadiums across America as possible. This year. <laughs> I mean, if, if there's any the money, if, it, that's what I was going to say. If there's any advertisers out there that want to help make this happen. And you know what? Like, sure, we'll we'll maybe put on like a, a Made for March logo on our shirts, but we'll wear your company hat and oh, the, yeah. uh, the cutout. Like, we can be bought. I'll sell out. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I can be bought. <laughs> Don't get yeah. that construed, for sure. Exactly. So I think we need to make it a mission. Again, 353 stadiums out there, although I guess the Ivy League's out, so that trims about 10. So there's we're looking at... 
at the end of the day, about 350 stadiums we're trying to crack our toes into. We get to see B- BU versus Holy Cross six times this year, Tim. We yes. get to be in attendance, so we're going to get our money's worth out of that series for sure on the, the Patriot League Network or whatever the hell they air that on. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I think I think we should make it a goal. At, at least Power 5. We got to crack the, the doors down at the Power 5s. Yeah. And then one final one and done. I, I'm sure you saw it. Jim Beheim testing positive for COVID. Yep. I. I obviously just want to say quickly that wish him all the best, given that he's turning 76, I believe, tomorrow, as we're recording on Monday. I believe his birthday's Tuesday. He turned 76. So him and Tom Izzo have now tested positive as two kind of big-name coaches here. And, again, becoming more and more real that when you see big-time names like that get uh, a positive test, it seems like he's asymptomatic as he – sort of put out a little message and John Wildhack, the athletic director of Syracuse sort of put out the same type of message to the media, but you just wish for, for a speedy recovery with that one, because obviously he's in a little bit of a different age bracket. Yeah. And he's a, also a cancer survivor too. So worth, worth noting that as well. All right. You ready to get into some NBA draft stuff here? Any last notes and stuff you want to hit on before we talk now, a little bit of pro ball here? I'm, I'm pumped for this. Let's, let's dive into the NBA draft. All right, so I think the best way to put this is we don't know who's going number one. I mean, do you <laughs> yeah. know who's going number one? No one and This knows. isn't like the last couple of years, like the the Zions, the the DeAndre Aytons, all that stuff. We don't really know who's going to go number one in this draft. It's still kind of up in the air, and we're only two days out. I feel like at the end of the college basketball season, most years, we've really known who the number one pick is. And you, you even see guys who they'll only work out with one or two teams to that degree. So right now in Bovada, if you look at the odds, LaMelo Ball, the favorite to be the number one overall pick, minus 140. We also have another player where you got to lay a little juice to get him at the number one overall pick. That's Anthony Edwards. He's at minus 110 right now. And then after that, everything gets pretty steep. It's James Wiseman at plus 650. And then pretty much every other prospect is plus 10,000 or higher odds. So not going to get a, a lot of value, really, unless you somehow think what James Wiseman is going to sneak in and be that number one pick. But I guess here we'll just go back and forth going through our big boards. And Tim, I'll start with you. Who is your number one prospect? So I'm sure people that are listening to this podcast have kind of heard this sentiment, but not a great draft at the top. I think this draft has a lot of quality contributors that could step in right away in the 5 to 15 range. And Honestly, it's probably an underrated draft from the perspective that you you kind of get attached to the top guys and then make your take on the draft based on the top guys. But there's there's obviously kind of three guys that are in most people's top tier, and that's LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman. To me, LaMelo Ball is my top prospect, and I'm just purely basing that off upside. There's he's not a perfect prospect by any means. There's a lot of flaws to his game. I think defensively he's got to get better, and then his decision making on offense has to improve a lot. But in Lamella Ball, you're getting a guy who's six seven, who is a phenomenal ball handler for being six seven. Like he's he's taller than Lonzo, and he has probably yeah, he had a, a little spike in growth, and he he kept the ball handling. Yes, though. I mean just has great playmaking upside when you factor in his handle. And then he's a phenomenal passer, especially for his size. He's He could step into the NBA tomorrow and be a top 15, top 10 passer in the league right away. He makes these crazy passes, and he played in a league last year that 
obviously doesn't have the same type of competition as the NBA, so it's a little bit tougher to evaluate just how much he spiked and just how much his passing will translate. But you know that it's going to translate some, and he's got enough playmaking upside that just from an upside perspective, if you have the number one pick like the Timberwolves do, I think they should take LaMelo, and it seems like he was cooling off for a little bit, and now you see kind of mixed reports. It goes back to the greater theme of no one really knows what's going to happen, but if I had the number one pick and I was the Timberwolves, I would take LaMelo Ball. Yeah, I'm with you. I got LaMelo number one on on my board, so much so that I would love to see, I mean, my team's the Bulls. I would love to see the Bulls trade up and get that number one pick because I feel like if you're making a trade in this draft to the number one spot or to the number two spot, you're trading for LaMelo Ball. Yes. I don't think a lot of teams are trading for an Anthony Edwards or a James Wiseman or a Denny Avdia. I, I just don't see that happening. I don't think that teams covet this draft enough to waste some capital. Not waste, but get to sacrifice some capital, I should say, to get one of these prospects. So I'm with you. I've got LaMelo at the top. I mean, he feels like he's got some Ben Simmons vibes to him. I mean, he's not the defender that Ben Simmons is, and he doesn't have quite the same height, I think, what? Yeah, but Simmons also, when Simmons came out and his defensive tape at LSU, because it was such a weird season there at LSU, was really bad. And then he's panned out to be Yeah, and he didn't care either. Yeah, right. right. I think the thing that LaMelo maybe focused, and I'm sure he had advisors in his ear, but at the end of the day, your offense is what's going to put you over the top here. Now, he wasn't a great three-point shooter either. I think he shot like 25% from distance in australia but you gotta you gotta take into account he's playing against grown men also uh let's just put this out there the international ball a little bit different um in terms of like what the actual ball looks and feels like so maybe he was adjusting to that i don't know i'm just trying to throw out some excuses of of why lamella (laughs) ball can be a lot better than he might actually be but um no but with lamella too i mean it's not like he was playing against scrubs either in australia I mean, he, first of all, wasn't he playing against R.J. Hampton, too, who yeah. once upon a time he was thought to be the number one draft pick in this class? And, I mean, I'm talking way, way back. I'm talking like two, three years ago. He was thought to be the number one pick in this class. And then LaMelo comes in, and, I mean, he played with Aaron Brooks. Like, Aaron Brooks was a guy who obviously wasn't an all-star in Loved the NBA, Aaron but Brooks he was like a, he was he just was a solid player in yeah. the NBA. <laughs> I mean, he just, he played with the Rockets. He played with the the Suns too. I think he was there for a little bit. The Bulls, did he play for the Celtics too? Uh, no, I don't think he ever did, Celtics? but he was okay. a great but, uh, fantasy a great draft, like NBA 2K guy, late rounds, yeah. grab him so he can make some threes. Great guy to have on your 2K roster. Right. So he's playing against some former pros there. And it seemed like all the former pros there were pretty impressed with him. So um maturity is going to be the thing with with lamello that you look for that's the number one thing i think with him uh because he has been a star pretty much since he was what 15 14 years old yeah he brings some baggage yeah he's supposed to be the the best of of the ball brothers and um obviously liangelo is liangelo i i don't know what he's doing right now um is he a globetrotter i don't know i have no idea um and then lonzo's having a pretty pretty solid nba career so far so lamella ball i think easily my number one prospect in this uh nba draft class as well number two who do you have at number two tim because this is where i had the most trouble so I'm going off the board a little bit here. I mentioned that top tier is pretty evident of what people are thinking. That's Wiseman and Edwards along with Ball. But 
I think Oneka Okonwu is the second-ranked guy in this class for me, and he's just a slight edge above James Wiseman in the big man category. I have Wiseman third on my big board here. And Okonwu just has a higher floor. He's he's kind of fits the modern NBA perfectly out of USC. He does all the little things for you. He's the type of player that coaches will love because he hustles, he's a good competitor, he's got a high motor, and he's a good passer for a big man. And then when I talk about the modern NBA, he just has a ton of switchability for where the NBA is going from a 6'9 center perspective. He is athletic enough to guard one through five and has some Bam Adebayo in his game a little bit. So Okonwa is probably not going to get drafted in the top two. I think the Hornets do like him at three, and you've heard some rumblings of that from some people that are well-sourced out there that it's possible they're circling him at three and they might even maybe try to drop back. But I think when it's all said and done, he's just a safer pick than James Wiseman. He's not the athlete that James Wiseman is. And he probably honestly lacks a little bit of ceiling and, and has a little bit lower ceiling than Wiseman, but you're getting someone who really you can plug and play right away and could be a guy that could just help out a championship team. He can play great defense one through five, He has the leaping ability to be somewhat of a shot blocker, probably a little bit undersized to play against like a Joel Embiid in the paint, but all things considered, if you want to go small and put five guys out there, he's the perfect center for the NBA. Based on your judgment here, you're liking the under on his prop on Bovada. Right now, his line is set at six and a half. Again, heavy juice on the under, minus 230, but you know, he's been rumored to go in that three, four range, so there could be a lot of value here at minus 230 on the under six and a half for Onyeko Okonwu. Let me float something with you for Okonwu, and it's interesting you have him at number two. Actually, I've got a couple of Okonwu takes. First of all, I, I gotta say this. I, I do like him a lot. I okay. like him a lot, and I think he is a top five player in this draft. Now, two, I think is a little steep for him. Yep, I understand that. And here's why. If I can't get Onyeka Okonwu in the top five, What's holding me back from taking Daniel Aturu late in the first or early in the second? I just think there's players like him in this draft. And Daniel Aturu, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but we're going to get to some of our sleepers. He's one of my big sleepers. I mean, yeah. you're looking at a guy who, and again, Okonwu's a little undersized at six foot nine, especially for a guy who plays the center position, but he flies around athletically and can make a, a difference for you defensively in that manner and offensively as well but with Okonwu I just think that we're seeing more and more of his type of players sort of develop like do you want an Isaiah Stewart you can get an undersized center there do you want a Daniel Oturu you can get a guy who is a little bit bigger maybe not as talented as Okonwu but another very very good player later on in the draft that's why I don't value Okonwu as maybe some other people do again I think he's a phenomenal talent I think he's really good and I think he's a top five player in this draft And then on top of that, let me float a a little trade suggestion out there for you. All right. right. So the Philadelphia 76ers just brought in Daryl Morey. We know Daryl Morey doesn't like to go big at the center position. Mm -hmm. We also know Daryl Morey uh, may be looking to get rid of one of his stars, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Can I interest you if you are... The Charlotte Hornets, if you are the Golden State Warriors, go make a trade for Joel Embiid and get 
that number two or number three pick if you're the Sixers and turn it into Okonwu. And of course, there's other parts involved there. Yeah, you but would need more. Turn it into sure. Okonwu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think the Warriors would entertain it because, and I do think that the Warriors are the big what if on this draft. What are they going to do? But if the do? Warriors could get Joel Embiid? I, I don't know. I, I mean, you're taking on his salary. You're having to give up a ton probably um, on top of the number two pick. I, I think the problem is this number two pick is not what the number two pick might be worth next year or what it was worth last year. It's just not that good of a draft at the top. So it's you're you're having to throw in a lot more to get to Joel Embiid, in my opinion, if, if you're the Warriors there at number two. Now, I do think the Warriors are looking to trade the pick and hopefully get someone that contribute that can contribute to a championship team right away or even drop down to get some of those guys in the six, seven range and add another piece. That would probably be best case scenario for them, because there's some guys that we'll get to a little bit later that I think would fit really well in Golden State and could contribute right away. They just don't have the high ceiling type of situation. But maybe they, I think a lot of people assume they're going to go with Wiseman if he's still on the board at number two, just because he's that star type talent that could transition you out of the Steph era to a new era and he could be your centerpiece potentially. But it just depends on how how much you're in on Wiseman and a center being your your quote unquote star for the future, the way the NBA is going. Yeah, that's why I've got Wiseman number two on my board. I I think that he is the most talented big man in this draft, and honestly, one of the more talented big mans that this that that we've seen in the last couple of years. Like I think he's better than Bagley. I think he's better than DeAndre Ayton was, and we really don't know a ton about him. But I think the one misnomer out there is that he's kind of a lackadaisical type of piece. I think he's got a pretty solid motor. And yeah, that's one of those things. Like, I agree. One of the guys that he really looks up to is Kevin Garnett. And if that's any indication of what he's going to put out there on the floor for you every single night, well, Kevin Garnett was energy, energy, energy. He's not the type of player he is without the energy that he had out there on the floor. So that's why I like Wiseman a lot at number two. I think he's just a polished big man and he's going to provide you some paint presence as well. And it just makes too much sense at number two as well with the Warriors being there. They can either get uh, a big time center that can really elevate this team to the next level, or you can trade out of the pick and I'm sure someone would gladly move up to two with you. There's just more question marks with Wiseman for me. And you use the word polished. I I think, he is polished in the sense that he can come in and definitely play a role right away, but it's going to take him some time to develop into a, a type of guy that you can throw the ball down to and he can get you a bucket in the post, or he has to develop his face-up game, things like that, because he doesn't have that great of a handle. And right now, I think he he's just going to be a great rim-running big. And if he gets to a good team like the Warriors in year one, he's going to be very useful as like a JaVale McGee Is there a better fit for him than the Warriors? I I really don't think there is. No, and I think the Warriors are just a tremendous fit for all type of players, right? Because they have that culture and and you're going into a situation that's not asking you to carry the ball a ton. But especially for the big man spot, I mean, it it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, right. I mean, with, with the guy like Wiseman, you're going to get lobs at the rim and, and all that. And he's going to be perfect in that rim running environment. I just worry about his defense a little bit. He's not as switchable as Okonwu. And then I think it, it's going to take longer for him to develop into the offensive player that he could get to. 
it, it's going to take like three, four years before he's in the all-star conversation to me. And Oconwa is probably never going to be nearly as big of a player by year five. Wiseman might surpass him. But if you're drafting right now and you're in this position like the Warriors, I'd rather have Oconwa because I feel more confident in him in day one. And I feel more confident in him and Steph and Clay's window and Draymond's window that they have there. Yeah. All right. Who do you have at number three? All right, so three is Wiseman, which is, is kind of odd that I have two bigs in, in the top three. It kind of speaks to the draft a little bit, I think, that um, I went that route. And, and I did feel like the NBA transitioned a little bit more in the bubble and the playoffs this past year to bigs are more valuable than maybe we, we had thought because they were out there for significant minutes. But I'll skip to my number four. I'm sure you have them coming up on your list, too. I, I'm a little bit lower on Anthony Edwards than most. And for me, it just comes down to like the intangible stuff that you just hear so many red flags about his motor, his work ethic, his love for the game. The workouts he had too. Yeah, it's just, and I don't know what to make of those workouts, like how credible it was, those reports that came out, but it's not good, right? You just, you don't hear the things that you want to hear out of a player that you're trying to, you know, that you're spending a top three pick on. Like that's a big, big ass to to spend a top three pick on someone and have them sort of not check any boxes away from the court or, or just present any sort of like, yeah, that's going to be a winning type of player. I, I just don't see him as a player that comes in and is a great teammate is someone that you love to play for. And is someone that is like doing what it takes to be unselfish and be ready to win. He's, he strikes me as a, a good stats, bad team guy and like a, a Zach Levine type or something and not to knock on your bulls, but I really do think that he just has tons of talent. He's going to be able to score. He's got this great body. So there's a lot of upside there, but I want guys that are winning and I don't want guys that have all those question marks in sort of the intangibles category. That, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not as high on, on Anthony Edwards either as most people are. I mean, I think it would be a mistake to take him number one. You know what You know what I like to call Anthony Edwards? What's I, that? I, I call him Victor Oladipo because he's just a, a bigger, a bigger <laughs> Victor Oladipo. Like, and again, he's not nearly as good as Oladipo, but he's got like that same kind of mold to him, yeah. that scoring ability, all that. He's not, he doesn't have the same defense, but he's got the athleticism. He can shoot the ball. He he can he can heat up, but yeah, he's just a, a thick Victor Oladipo, thick Victor Oladipo. He should be the number one pick because when you watch him when he's on, it's like, oh yeah, this guy is an NBA All Star. Like he scored thirty seven, I think, in that Michigan State game in Maui, and I remember watching that and thinking, wow, he's awesome. But then you watch him sometimes, and he has these lapses on defense, and he just doesn't seem locked in all the time. And he's also just been a losing player like his entire career. And I, yeah, I'm I'm not, and I guess. It's not just him that's been like that. The last couple number one overall picks have kind of had that. Yeah. Not Zion from a year ago, but Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, DeAndre Ayton. It's a lot of losing yeah, out of those guys. I, I don't one, like one that. One tournament win. <laughs> or actually, no, zero tournament wins out of those three guys. Yeah. like And not to skip down, but we'll get to Tyrese Halliburton in a little bit for me. He's a little bit more down on my big board, but he's kind of the opposite where you hear all this stuff about Halliburton and how he interviews great. And he's got this magnetic personality and he just makes wherever he goes, they win. And that's the opposite with Anthony Edwards. And at a certain point, like maybe it's in his DNA, maybe it's a, a legitimate concern. I'm not saying Georgia was supposed to be a, 
a powerhouse this year and they completely Yeah, he was part of their rebuilding project. Yeah, but he he wasn't a winner that much in high school and he just hasn't had the like I elevate guys around me type of appeal to him that you want to see from a top three pick. And it's a bad draft, so I think he's going to go in the top three just because his upside is, it's hard to ignore. I mean, when he's on, he's an NBA all-star type of scorer, and he's probably going to put up 25 points in three years, but I want a guy that is going to legitimately be someone that is grinding in the in the weight room and and doing all the proper things to try and get to being an NBA winner and an NBA champion, not just like lead the team in scoring for some bad team. And I feel like that's his destiny, unfortunately. All right, my next guy that I've got for you, I'm going a little off the board here on this one. You ready for this one? Devin Vassell. Wow, okay, I like it. That's who I've got at, at my number three spot right here. And if you agree with me, there is supreme, absolutely supreme value on Bovada right now because his over-under is set at 11 and a half, little bit of juice on the under at minus 135, but you'll eat that if you think that he is a top five player in this draft. I mean, heck, if you think he's a top 10 player in this draft, you'll probably eat that juice. But Devin Vassell, I think, is a real sleeper pick in this draft. And if you're like that, 11 and a half is your number on Bovada right now. Vassell is one of the most intriguing guys to me in this draft. Again, his scoring numbers weren't through the roof, but that was a pretty crowded Florida State team. And he's got all the intangibles to be a very solid NBA player. You know what? This draft, I feel like, has a lot of Jimmy Butlers in it. Yeah, it's a lot of high floor guys. I I really feel that way. And And I look at Vassell... And he, he shot over 40% from three. Now, everyone was making all this buzz about his jump shot that was caught on camera in some random workout in, like, what was it, like August or September? for And that video goes viral. And everyone's like, what the, like, what is this? Well, have you ever actually watched Devin Vassell? That's not how he shoots. Yeah, I don't know if he was shooter. trying to incorporate something or what, but that's not how he shoots. He doesn't have that mega hitch in his shot. Uh, I love Vassell. And he's one of the guys that... If you look in in the top five, you could see teams trade out in an effort to get a guy like Vassell. And I think that with that, his his defense is phenomenal. I mean, he he embodies what the NBA wants, especially in a draft like this. And that's going to be the three and D type of guys. And I think that Vassell is the best of these three and D guys. You know what you're getting with him. I think in five years, he's going to be a three and D guy and I'd be floored, shocked, whatever adjective, if he's out of the league and just sort of burns out. He's he's a known commodity and he's valuable to a lot of teams, but it's it's weird. I, I don't think I would ever put him as high as you are at number three, just because I don't think he has the upside and and that's what you're really looking for when you have a top three pick. And I don't even have him on my top ten, but I do like him a lot, and I I think he's he's a known piece. Like I said, that you just have a high floor guy that's going to come in and win. He's a little thin, but he can make shots. He can switch on D like he checks a lot of boxes for you. And I like him and I don't even have him in my, my top 10, but you have him at three and I'm not that like against it. That just shows you what this draft is, right? That there's so many question marks and it's going to be a really fun draft to watch just because there's going to be trades. We don't know what the Warriors are going to do. No one seems to know what any of these teams are leaning towards right now and maybe Devin Vassell goes third maybe he goes 18th I mean any of those outcomes would not surprise me that much absolutely all right who you got next all right um so number five for me is Killian Hayes who's another international guy 
uh, played in, in France last year, is 18 years old and not that great of an athlete, but just has a ton of playmaking potential, basically. He's a good passer. He can shoot. He can get to a shot off the dribble. Kind of got some Harden-esque like, step-back moves in his arsenal. And he's also a ve- lefty. Yeah, he's he's very left-hand dominant. That That is kind of a concern. He He hardly ever goes to his right hand. But he still finds a way to make it work. He's a good pick and roll scorer, and the question mark really is is how much can his game translate at 18 years old when he goes to the NBA? Because people have been following him for a while. He was 15, 16, playing in like the Jordan Brand games, and and was definitely talked about as a prospect. And then he went overseas to France and kind of blew up stats wise, and he's really risen on the draft board so much so that. He's very mixed, but you see guys like Kevin O'Connor at the ringer have him as the number one overall yeah, prospect. Yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. Which is shocking. That's that's out of the norm, but you can see why KOC might might think that because he does have a modern NBA type of like, I can score in the pick and roll and I can just get buckets for you and be a playmaker for you. And there's not a ton of that in this draft. And he seems like a pretty smart player that checks a lot of boxes off the court as well. It's just how much will his game translate from playing in France where he had a big leash. I think he turned it over eight times in his first game, and then he still was like the starting point guard running the show, putting up numbers, and just was in a good environment to succeed there. So that's the question mark, but I do think he has a lot of potential as a playmaker. Okay. I I have Hayes a little lower down on my list, um, but... I've I've always been intrigued by him. Again, the the whole lefty dominant thing is something that is a little concerning to me that you're going to be a point guard and you're going to be expected to make all these plays for your team and you're just so one-handed dominant. No, that that's a skill that needs to kind of be shored up by the time you're 18, 19 years old. So that's the one thing that has always kind of worried me a little bit about Hayes. But again, I I could I don't see a lot of teams trading up to get a guy like Hayes but I mean isn't he supposed to just be the the Knicks pick like isn't that who the Knicks are just going to take there's just Frank Nidalekina 2.0 they're just going to make the same mistake twice yeah I think the Knicks really like Obi Toppin too and I think the right who is it Leon Rose is now kind of making their decisions yeah. mm-hmm. he recruited Toppin and so if, if Obi Toppin's there at eight which we can probably get to him in a little bit then I think the Knicks will take him but I don't think he'll be there at eight. I think Hayes has a better shot of being there at eight. And it's it's so odd to see, like, Hayes is going to be very fascinating to watch. I think he has the most volatility on draft night of he could go four to the Bulls or he could go 15. Like 15. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I really don't know where he falls. And I think he's very polarizing in the sense that some people are looking at him and going, yeah, no, that's not going to translate. And he's not that good of an athlete. He wasn't going up against good athletes in France. Like, you're foolish. You're you're getting Luca in your head. Euro League stuff. Like, I don't I don't know why you you think he's that high. And then there's other people that are saying he's 18 and he can make plays for you, and it's a bad draft, and he's only going to get better. So why don't we take a chance on him? Yeah, I think Luca. The whole Luca thing is really clouding a lot of people's minds on some of these international players this season. Like, oh. They, they've been playing since they were X years old professionally, like they're going to be super good. Well, I'm not very high on any international guys this year. In fact, in terms of true international guys, like 
Lamelo's not a true international yeah. guy. RJ Hampton's not a true international guy. Hayes isn't either. Um, he was born in Florida, so he just played okay. over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking through these, and I don't. I think Hayes, like, I guess, but off of what you're saying, he's not a true international yeah. guy. Avdia, so, do you like him? I, I don't really no, like Avdia that I, much. I, yeah. I, I'm could not be less in on someone than Denny Avdia for this year's draft. So and if, I'll, I'll explain why in yeah, a little bit. Okay. But I, I just, I can't get myself to to really buy into him is so. he the worst outcome for you as as a bulls fan yes. the number four yes pick? he yeah. is <laughs> i've got two you. guys in my head that are worst outcome and it's denny of dia and also believe it or not a guy who who you've already mentioned a little bit here but tyrese halliburton i i'm not really okay high on tyrese halliburton well he's and, next and on my list that. so okay who's your here, let me just yeah uh well so we skipped over my four but i've got Onyeka Okanwu, who we already okay. talked about my number five here Isaac Okoro, and kind of like my Vassell pick, Isaac Okoro right now, his spot on Bovada, the number is set at nine and a half. And I think this is going well, well under. Now, there is heavy juice on it. Minus 280 on the under, and plus 185 if you think he's going to slip to 10 or worse in this draft. And I like Okoro because you know you're going to get phenomenal defense from him every single night. Yeah. But also with Okoro, I think the jump shot's going to come around. Think about all the players in the league right now that almost everyone you look at, their their scouting report is going to say needs to become a better shooter. Well, look at the NBA. The space is there, the um just the the training is there. Shooting is the least of my worries usually about a prospect. Shooting and strength because those are two of the easiest things to add, especially with a guy like a guard. I remember Back in 2008, I was reading the Chicago Tribune, looking through their their draft like guide that they had, and next to every single prospect, I think it was almost every single guard, it had said need to become a better shooter, and every single prospect, I think they just did a one-round mock draft, all 30 of them, it said needs to get stronger. <laughs> well, no, yeah. they need to get stronger, they're in college. Like, right. <laughs> very few prospects don't need to get stronger. I think Zion from a year ago probably didn't need to get stronger if anything maybe needed to get a little weaker uh lose a little bit of the 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 muscle on him because yeah. i think slimming down could have done him a little good but i i just i I've, I've never been that worried about those two traits in a a player and that's why i like Okoro so much because the defense is there and also his motor i think is something that is going to be very beneficial for him and I always went back and forth between do I like him or do I like Vassell more? And I ultimately went with Vassell just because the shooting is there and it's a known commodity. Yeah. With Okoro, he's a, a spot-up guy. He can get get going from inside the arc a little bit. Again, the, the three-point shooting was sub-30%, and, and the free-throw shooting also was sub-70%. But this Which is a is guy... Which is concerning, yeah. Yes. This is a guy who can get to the rim. He can play well on the interior and he can guard a bunch of positions for you as well. I, I'm really looking forward to see what he does. I, I will be interested to see what happens with the shooting once he gets into the NBA. Um, but I just remember seeing him. This was out in Salt Lake City for the NCAA tournament two years ago. Um, or Actually, no. I, I Actually, I'm completely blanking. I'm, I'm mixing up Auburn guys. But I, I'm thinking like <laughs> culture-wise. Yeah. Like that's the Auburn culture is kind of like the Bruce Pearl culture. The guys that really go out there and and just play hard 
play hard for 40 minutes. And, and now I'm intrigued to see how that will translate to the next level with him. And I think it does because I saw a lot of that out of him with Auburn. And he's one of those guys that I think would have really benefited from an NCAA tournament. And that's something that we're going to see a lot of this year is part of the big unknown is the fact that there was no tournament. And yeah. that's what's really going to, we're going to see guys that go 12 or guys that go 20 or guys that go in the second round that become longtime NBA starters in the league because of the fact that they had their seasons cut short. There were no, the highest stakes games did not happen in college basketball last season. And that's something that I think is going to be really, really, really hurtful for some of these prospects in the draft, but long-term is going to help them out. Yeah, he kind of, Okoro kind of feels like Marcus Smart to me. I'm I'm not saying that they're, he's got more size than Smart, but when Smart was coming out, the talk was, okay, he's going to be a good defender. He can switch 40. He makes winning plays. How much can his shooting improve? And as a Celtics fan, Marcus Smart has gotten to a point where he still jacks up like one or two shots every game that makes you scratch your head. But now they might go I think in. more than scratch your head. Yeah, <laughs> right. But he, he makes a couple shots too. And he'll have games where he's made like eight threes in one game or six threes in one game. And it's kind of absurd that he's developed that much shooting wise. But that goes back to your original point that guys can learn how to shoot. We, we've seen that formula pan out. If you've got defense, if you're a good athlete, and you go into the lab and you have a good shooting coach, like you'll probably get to a respectable point. And if he does, then he's a very solid, like foundational piece on a team and not going to be a, an all-star probably, but he's going to be a great defender for you and could be like a legit lockdown defender that is like OG Ananobi level type good at perimeter defense because he has some flashes of that for sure. Yeah, listen, there's maybe one or two all-stars in this draft. Yeah. Maybe one or two. I I'd say there's one. I think Lamella will be an all-star at some point, especially if they keep up fan voting. But... I think maybe two, you, you could see, I mean, Anthony Edwards could put together an all-star caliber season. Like he, he just yeah. could. No, um, I agree. And he could be a rookie of the that, year, like, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know who, who the second one is, but I think there are guys who could put together one season or two seasons to become an, an all-star type player. Uh, but I do think there's one given all-star in this draft and it's LaMelo ball. Yeah. Um, but I agree. we'll see how all that sh shakes out. Who do you got next? All right, so let me sell you on Tyrese Halliburton from Iowa State, of course. I got him six on my big board, and I, I guess I can already see what you're going to say. There's not a lot of upside here, and he's not that flashy. But, I mean, talk about just checking every single box that you worry about from off the court. Like, high IQ, he's a great teammate, he's got this awesome personality, and then... On the court, he's got a lot of playmaking upside. His shot is very funky, and watching it makes you cringe a little bit, but the shot goes in, and, and at a certain point, like you, you can't mess with the results. Like He's been a very good shooter, and it's been consistently good for basically all his life, and then he's a great off-ball defender. He has some potential as like a, a really good shooter off the catch, coming around screens, so he's just a guy that will be ready right away, and if, he, if you're the Warriors... I think the best outcome for them as a Warriors, like I'm not a Warriors fan, but if I was, would be find someone that I can trade from like two to seven or eight, and then hopefully Halliburton's there. Because even though they already have a lot of guard guys and there's some positional overlap there, I think Halliburton's just awesome for what they want. Like he's he's a proven winner that's going to come in, make plays, make give you high IQ, 
and be a good passer and just be an unselfish teammate. Now, he's never going to be an all-star, so I would never take him with like a top five pick, but once you get to the six, seven, eight tier, I think he's just such a sure thing that it's hard to ignore him. Yeah, the thing with me for Halliburton right now is the fact that you mentioned that shot and you say, okay, don't mess with the results because it goes in. Well, Lamella, or not Lamella, uh, Lonzo Ball, the same thing kind of happened with him because didn't Halliburton shoot around 40% or maybe north of 40%? From yeah, it was like 41, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, Lonzo Ball, too, was he came in known as a shooter and has gotten to the NBA and has not been able to shoot threes whatsoever. So, and part of it, I think, is the fact that his shot takes a a, a little bit longer to get going. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have that quick release. And it's the same sort of thing with a guy like Halliburton. It's just so ugly. It's not like Sean Marion where he it was so ugly, but it was a quick release, so he could kind of get away with it. And when I look at a guy like Terry's Halliburton, I, I'm the fact that he's he doesn't have that shot, and I don't think it's gonna be a, a shot that can latch on in the NBA. And then on top of that, the the man-to-man defense with him, like, first of all, let's not get it twisted here. The Big 12 has been down for two straight years. The two years Tyrese Halliburton was in the Big 12, they were not great. They had some good teams, but as a collective conference, they weren't great. And I think he kind of got away with some of that. He got away with his length a lot in college, and I don't know if he's going to be able to get away with it as much in the NBA where everyone kind of looks like him. So... Like, is he freakishly big? Yes, but only in a college sense. He's not like, we, we hear some guys in the NBA that they're 6'2", but they've got a 6'8 wingspan, or they're 6'7", but they've got a 7'2 wingspan. He's 6'5", with a 6'8 wingspan. Not that special once you get to the NBA level. There's a lot of guys that are like that. So I'm not as high on him as as you are, the, the shooting. Again, the shooting thing, I think you can fix with in terms of making it go in. But the mechanics stuff, when yeah. you're completely reteaching someone how to shoot, I think is a whole different question. And, and they probably right wouldn't now, reteach him. He, you just ride with what is right, you know, yeah. worked so far and hope that it works. Unless it gets like Markel Fultz bad or something, then you'd have to go into the lab and, and, and reteach. Yeah, but. and maybe, yeah, get get like, uh, uh, what's his name? The the Rob McClanahan, is that his name? The, oh, yeah. the shooting coach or right. whatever his name is. Um, yep. Or not Rob McClanahan. Um, no, it's, it's, Rob, it's, Rob McClanahan played on like the Miracle Hockey team. What's the um, Spurs guy? Is that who you're talking about? No, I'm talking about the guy who works with all these. I, I've got his name in my phone somewhere too. <laughs> okay, but yeah, I don't know. Whatever. He, he's like a pure sweat guy. Um, but right now, Bovada has Terry's Halliburton's draft position at seven and a half with heavy juice on the under. You got to lay minus one eighty for the under here. And the over at plus 140 for a draft position over seven and a half. So you, if you think he's going to drop huh. a little bit, I think that might be a, a nice little play for some people. Yeah. Because what? The Knicks have the eighth pick, right? Yeah, I would probably take the over there. Um, and that's just because I haven't heard that the Bulls love him. And then who's the fifth pick? I'm trying to remember. I know six is the Hawks, right? So yes. Yeah. Uh, you want the the sixth pick you're looking for? The fifth the pick. Six, uh, the fifth pick is the I'm Pistons are seven. The Cavaliers. The Cavaliers oh, that's are right. fifth. Yep. Hawks are sixth. Detroit is seventh. So if you think he's going to slip past any of those teams, it might be worth uh, laying laying some coin there. Yeah, I mean, if your Bulls took him at four, 
I can kind of get why as a Bulls fan, you'd be a little bummed because it's kind of a cop-out pick. It's not, he's not a, a, a star. So he's not the type of guy that you were envisioning when you were like, oh, we got the fourth pick and we've been tanking all year and we got this high pick in the lottery. And now we just have a guy that's like going to be a three and D guy and, and maybe a little bit more than that. And the idea is hopefully he grows into more than that, but you're just sort of copying out and saying, okay, this draft stinks and I'm not going to take chances on any of these other guys that don't have enough like known quantities to their game. So I'm just going to take the sure thing and just bet on him because he's going to be in the league for 12 years and he's going to be helpful to our team. He's just, he's never going to be a star in all likelihood. So at four, it's kind of too early to take someone like that. Yeah. Uh, Where are we at now in these, uh, we just went over what? What was that? Your that was my sixth. So I've six. got seven. Okay, next. so my my six is Anthony Edwards. Wow, you're um, really low on him. Dang. Yeah, I'm I'm not big on Anthony Edwards, and uh, there's already been a, a prop out there. Where will Anthony Edwards go? Is it over one and a half? Under one and a half? Right now, you can get some pretty pretty solid value if you do think Anthony Edwards is going to be the number one pick. Bovada right now has Anthony Edwards at minus 170 to not be the number one pick, plus 130 if you think he is going to go number one overall. And you can even take the exact pick for some of these guys, Edwards plus 130, LaMelo minus 180 right now to be that top pick. And then the second overall pick, if you think Edwards is going to go number two on the dot, plus 200. Yeah, I don't see him with the Warriors. Uh, and I, I guess that's What about number three? Number three. So, to, so I think Edward slips. I, I really see a road where he slips because I think the Hornets might take him just because he's the last guy in that tier and they don't want to upset the upset the fan base. And he just makes sense because he like we said, he pro- he's probably gonna be the rookie of the year, especially if he goes to to a crappy team that's not the Warriors, one of those top teams. So, yeah, like if he goes to Charlotte, I think you could almost unless he's unless you see LaMelo bring like the Bulls or the Wolves to the playoffs. Anthony Edwards will probably be rookie of the year. Yeah. And he's going to sell tickets for you. I mean, there's a lot of upside to him. We're way down on him because he just doesn't seem like a guy that's going to lead a championship team at any point in his career. And that's ultimately what I care about more if I'm a fan of a team. But to me, I think because the Hornets like Okonwu at three, I've kind of got a suspicious feeling they go that direction. Don't know anything, just seen the reports about it. And then you get to the Bulls. And so if you're a Bulls fan, I mean, you are a Bulls fan. So if if he's there at four, you you don't want him, right? Anthony Edwards? Yeah. Because it's tough, right? It depends who else is there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it depends who else is there, A. And B, I I just don't see the fit when you got guys like Levine and, and Kobe White and all those other guys. He, he's just going to kind of get phased out. I mean, he's going to start as a bench piece. And if you're the Bulls and you have a chance to draft a starter, you should be drafting a starter. And if LaMelo's on the board at four, you would be drafting a starter in my eyes. Yeah. I think Edwards has the most potential of the top three to slip. And I, But I guess Wiseman does too, because if Wiseman doesn't go two... I would say the Hornets and people think a... Lamelo does too. Like that's yeah. the thing is no one knows a ton <laughs> right. about this right now. Yeah, and, and that's what makes it so intriguing in uh, in this NBA draft right now. So, all right, we've gone through our top six. Uh, let, let's kind of go a little speed round here. Who do you yeah. have? Just list them off. Who you have seven through ten? Okay, seven is Obi Toppin, Patrick Williams, eight, 
Jalen Smith. Nine. I'm, I'm really high on Jalen Smith at nine. Yeah, okay. that's the guy. The Celtics had the 14th pick. I really want them to take Jalen Smith. Do the Celtics? Okay, the Celtics always have like a thousand picks. Yeah, they got. What, what What do they have this year? 14, 26, and 30. So okay, and they also don't have very many spots on their roster. So there's talks that they'll either take an international guy to just kind of stash in the later rounds or the later stages of the first round. So like a, a Theo Maladon or something like that. Yeah, someone like that I think has been thrown around, or even like a Killian Tilly, because then you know he's still I think recovering from injury. Last I checked, or there's still injury concerns there to an extent. So th- not someone that they're like going to plug and play right away. Why don't they just go get Philip Petrosev? You can pay him so much more money yeah. than whatever he's making in like Russia or Poland or wherever <laughs> right. he's playing. Um, that, that would make sense. Uh, but no, I, I think their idea is they'd love to package their picks and try and move up and get like an Okonwu, but that's probably not going to happen. I mean, it seems like they always talk about that and then it, it never happens as a Celtics fan. So I want Jalen Smith though, because he can shoot, man. I mean, watching him at Maryland... I don't know why he's not higher on these big boards. I have him at nine, and I think that's totally fair. You know, I know what's weird? Yeah. So Bovada offers props on on like players over unders and stuff like that. And I'm looking through. Where was this? I thought I saw. He's probably way Jalen down. Smith's. Um, actually, now that I'm looking through, I thought maybe I just saw Jaden McDaniels, and automatically okay, my mind yeah. triggered to Jalen Smith. For some reason. Um, oh, wait. Okay, so for him to go third overall, it's like plus, what is that? 10,000. Yeah, all right? that's not happening. For him to go third overall, obviously not going to happen. But he doesn't have an over-under prop. But whatever it would be, I would lean towards the under because I think that there would be a market for him on Bovada. I, I, like, I, I would think that there's a there would be a great Bovada play right there to take the under yeah. on a guy like Jalen Smith if it pops up by the time draft day comes around i mean we're talking about a guy that can be a pick and pop threat for three and a pick and roll threat i i really like jalen smith and, and i think it's kind of foolish that he's he's so far down but ob top and two I, i'm just curious what are your thoughts on him because i feel like he's polarizing yeah, okay so, and, so just to round out my seven through ten yeah, i agree yeah. with you i had ob seventh i have killian hayes eighth pat williams ninth and then terry's halliburton tenth and i think ob Toppin of those guys that we have not discussed so far is the one worth mentioning because Toppin, I think there was a point in time where some people thought he might go number one. I don't think people's hearts were fully into it, but there was a point in time where people thought Obi Toppin could be the number one overall pick right now. If you go to Bovada, he, his number is four and a half right now with the over, you need to lay heavy juice on the over minus two seventy to go over four and a half under four and a half plus 180 i wouldn't be surprised if we saw that line move to five and a half i, I mean i don't see a world where he goes top four i don't he, think he could the go Bulls to the Cavs, like him though. enough yeah but he yes he could go to the Cavs at five and to me i mean i like obi top and i like his prospects i think that if you're a team that is old is older and more win now Toppin's worth the play here. Yeah, he's especially old. if you just want that's... to add some scoring. Right. He's worth the play. And that's the thing is usually when you're at the top of the draft, it means that you're not in win now mode necessarily. But yeah. when you're when you're you've got some some flexibility, I think that like if you're the Warriors and you can trade down to seven through ten, 
and know you're getting Obi Toppin, that's the play. Yeah. That's the play you need to make. I I think I, I, I maybe should even put him up higher than seven the more we discuss this because two things. One, his offense, it, it might be the best offensive game in the draft. I mean, he is so good on offense, and we saw that in right. college basketball last year. Yes, it was against weaker competition in terms of a non-power conference, but... But he still did it against, like, yeah. Kansas. Yeah, and, I mean, he can hit step-back threes, and he can go to the rim, and he's got all these great dunks and alley-oops, and he's just a bucket getter, total bucket getter, and that's going to translate to the NBA, whether it's in transition, catching a lob, whatever. He's a little skinny, though, so I think he's more of a four than a five, even in the modern NBA, because he's only, like, 220 pounds, and he, he just get bullied down there. His defense... Is, is a big concern, especially like he just doesn't have a ton of quickness on, on that end. And he's kind of stiff, but I mean, we're talking about a kid that a lot of people will say, Oh, what's a con? He's, I think he's, he's what? 22 at, at this point, even though he only yeah, played. He's so, a redshirt sophomore. Yeah. Yeah. So he's 22. So that's a con. When, when you talk to NBA draft people, they say, uh Oh, he's 22. That, that doesn't really pan out. One caveat with Toppin though, he's still like getting better and better. It's almost like he's 19 or 18 in my book because he he had no offers coming out of high school, like any legit offers that would have gotten any sort of news. And then all of a sudden he's the Wooden Award winner. So we're talking about someone, and I kind of like people that are that are late bloomers because you don't know what their ceiling is. You could be getting someone that is going to figure it out on the defense event. And if he does, he's an all-star probably. Like his offense is... He could win rookie of the year on if he goes to the Cavs, he could just be a total bucket getter for them. So I maybe should have him in the uh, probably ahead of Halliburton just because he's got a little bit more upside. Probably should have him six on my list. And I'm pretty in on him because even though he's 22, he's kind of like a different 22 than a Halliburton or, or someone that's like a little bit older. I don't Halliburton. And if there's any 22, year to yeah. pick a 22 year old early, it's this year. Yeah. It's this year because you want guys that can they have the maturity to step in, handle their business, be smart off the court too. They'll have that maturity behind them as well. So that's what you want. You want guys like that on your team to be able to give you this sort of production. So that that's what I'm looking for out of a guy like an Obi Toppin. And that's why I think that he could be a fantastic fit for yeah. this team. And, yeah, for, and for uh, sleepers before so, we kind of wrap here. Yeah, with the sleepers, I'm looking at guys who are are later on in this draft, and a couple names stand out to me. Guys that I think can can come in and, and make an impact right away. Maybe not right away, but they you want them. I think you're going to see a number of guys in this draft be on win championships. Yeah, let's put it that way. I and agree. here are a couple of guys that I think will help you do that. Tyrell Terry. Out of Stanford. Love I think he's got an unbelievable drive, his feel. Uh, he just, the basketball IQ with him is through the roof. And he yeah, can also he's kind of like Halliburton, of right? And yeah, he except he yeah. doesn't have a broken shot. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's a fair point. He, he's a little too small. I think that's the knock on him out of Stanford, but he was great at Stanford. I, I loved watching him play. So he's a sleeper for me, too. Another guy I've got for you here Aaron Nesmith from Vanderbilt. If you yeah. just want someone that can knock down shots for you, this is your guy. Because he shot over 50%. Now, he did have a problem with uh, with his health this past season. But he was an unbelievable shooter. Averaged 23 points per game. So, Aaron Nesmith, I think, is a, a name to watch. I think he could be a guy. He averaged, I mean, or he shot 50, 52% from three 
a season ago. So he's a guy I really like. You brought up Jalen Smith already. I think he's phenomenal. A couple other guys. What the hell happened to Cole Anthony? Yeah, I don't love him. And I'm a UNC you don't. guy. Okay. No. He just I drove do. me nuts. I, like, he, he's, he's kind of a ball hog. And, I mean, I guess that sort of translates to the end. He's going to score, but... He just doesn't have like the all-around game that I'm looking for. And there's so many guards that are out there now that I wouldn't burn a pick in the 15 to 20 range on him. I'd, I'd rather try and hit on a wing that's like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, because that's just where the NBA is going. And you can get those guards like Cole Anthony in, in the late first round or even early second round. No one's going to benefit in my eyes more from having all this space than Cole Anthony in this draft. And Bovada sets him right now at 20 and a half. And I think that's a, a spot on number right there for a guy like Cole Anthony. Yeah, you either love 20 him or and hate a half. Him, I think, yeah. if you're a team. So, so watch out for Cole Anthony. I think he could be a guy that, that really makes some waves. Um, I've got two others for you here, and, and my sleepers have been kind of long. But Jordan Wara, I... I think is another really? guy who's going to benefit from all this space because, again, what was our big knock on Jordan Wara? Couldn't live up to the big games. Wasn't as right. overrated, yeah, in college at least. Well, couldn't live up to the big games, I think, is something that's going to be important because of the fact that he doesn't have to be a star in big games. He's just going to have to be a role player, get the job done. He's not going to face the top defender every single night. I think he's going to be an unbelievably valuable bench piece for some team that finds him in the second round. Yeah, and Jordan Wara, I think is going to come in. He's a little bit older. Remember, this is a guy who some people thought could be a lottery pick last year and has now dropped in a draft that people are calling not that great. I think if Louisville, and Louisville was bound for, for the tournament, if Louisville was in the tournament and Jordan Wara put together two or three good games, we're talking about him in a completely different light right now, and we are looking at him as a, a first-round pick and maybe even a lottery pick this year. Yeah, that's fair. I, I just... The concern with me is he doesn't seem like a great teammate. I don't know if I if he passes the off the court stuff enough, but it's second round, so he's got a lot of offensive potential. So it's worth. The well, fire. guess what? He's not going to have a choice in the NBA. He's either <laughs> going to have to be right. a great teammate as a second round pick. Maybe that'll be the humbling experience he needs. And again, I don't know anything about him off the floor, but if you're coming in as a second second round pick, big chested and all that stuff, well, you're not going to last very long. No. Yeah. All right, what's your last sleeper before I get to mine? My last sleeper, and I'm not just saying this because he went to the same school you and I did, Tim, but I oh, do think Elijah yeah. Hughes is a good sleeper. He's one in, of mine. In this draft. Because he is a freak athletically. The The IQ and the feel he has for the game, that guy knows where the ball needs to be at all times. Yeah. And I, I just think he is smart beyond his years, and he is a little bit older. So that is one of the knocks on him. He is a redshirt junior, but this is a guy who led the ACC in scoring. And I think some team is going to get a gem in the second round with Elijah Hughes. He's going to have a 10-plus year NBA career because of the fact that he's smart, he's, he can shoot the ball, and we know that there's always the concerns about defense with the Syracuse guys because they play in a zone for every single possession of their college career, but... The way that I saw him move defensively, and again, the zone does have a lot of man-to-man principles within it, buried in it, but with Elijah Hughes, 
His athleticism, I think, is going to bode well for him defensively. And the way that he could play off-ball defense in that zone, he could get a number of steals. And if he wasn't the one that was directly credited with the steal, he was the one that was creating the steal. Yeah. And that's why I think he himself will be a steal in the NBA draft. Just a savvy guy. Uh, unbelievable cutter, which I know is kind of a weird thing to say, but how many times did we watch Syracuse and he'd do a backdoor cut leading right. to like a, a cool dunker? He's, he's a good athlete. He can chase down blocks for you. I think you're right. The the concerns are defensively in his age, and that's common for Syracuse guys. And being candid, Syracuse guys haven't really panned out, but I do think he's a little bit different. The concern, he, yeah. And when your concerns are defense, obviously that's always a red flag, but the concern is not that he's a bad defender. The concern is we don't know what he is defensively. Yeah. And there was some ECU tape, but he wasn't Elijah Hughes when he was at ECU, or at least he wasn't the caliber player that he is now. So it's kind right. of unfair to look at. Yeah. And I think you have to take this into account as well. We always talk about how when guys transfer up from a mid-major, now it's, you can call the AAC whatever you want, but it, in my eyes, it's not a, a power Especially ECU, yeah. Right. When you're transferring up, it's hard to have success. This guy went from being on the bench at ECU to leading the ACC in scoring his, yeah. his uh, redshirt junior season. Kind of like Toppin, that says too. A lot to me. He's, he's still growing, and you don't really know what his upside is because he's a late bloomer type. So I, I like those guys. But my sleepers, I've only got a couple. We overlapped a little bit. Terry, obviously, Stanford I had down. Malachi Flynn, I think college basketball fans really grew to appreciate him last year. And out of San Diego State, he's just he can score in the pick and roll, and, and that translates. Now, like I said earlier about guards, there's a lot of them out there, and I don't know if he really has a ton that can separate him and take him to another level at the guard position, but if you can score in the pick and roll, you can be a piece on a bench team, and I don't really see him flaming out because of that. And I, I think Malachi Flynn and Cole Anthony, to me, are like on a similar tier, and if you can wait and get Flynn, I'd, I'd probably just rather do that because you're probably able to snag someone else in the first round then in that scenario. Um, and then Killian and Tilly, because if if Tilly was healthy, he'd be a lottery pick, especially this year. And I think he's getting healthier. We don't really know the exact extent of it. But essentially, with him, it's just the injury concerns. But the talent's there. He can shoot. He can pick and pop. He's got tons of potential. It's like a Marcus Gasol type big that could really, really hit for a team at like the 30 to 35 range. And in this type of draft, maybe just take a chance on him. I'm all for it if like the Celtics took him at 30 because he's got more upside than anyone else in that tier. I like that. And I, I mentioned this guy earlier in the show, but Daniel Oturu is another guy yeah. who I love in this draft. I think. What about, he, uh, before we go, the, what is it, Poloshevsky, the, the guy, international guy who's just, have you watched any of his tape? I haven't seen anything from him, no. Okay. I recommend, and to the listeners too, check it out, because this guy is, it's honestly unlike any other tape I've ever watched or any other highlight reel. He's seven feet, and I think he's like 200 pounds. He's a seven-footer that plays okay. like a guard. He, he's out, like, yeah. he's super skinny, 7'3 wingspan, and he like has unreal shooting touch and unreal passing ability. He plays like a guard, but he's seven feet tall. And it's just like the skinniest guy you've ever seen. So the question marks are, are abundant there. He's also playing against inferior competition. I don't know what, what league he was in, but some people have seen him have the, like him top 10 on their boards. 
and then some have him like 30th. And he's kind of like Giannis, like obviously that I'm not comparing him to Giannis, but when Giannis came out, it was like, I can't really decipher how good this guy's going to be because he's just going against high school dudes and I don't really understand how good he is. And, and there's a lot of that in his tape because the tape is like an amazing watch, but you just don't know what it tells you exactly. Okay, I feel that. Um, I got a couple couple things before we get out of here. All right. right. Uh, I want to run through a couple more Bavada props that we got here. Yeah. First, first three picks exact order. Actually, I'm exact I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. First, first four picks exact order. Let let me hear yours, and then I'll I'll decipher what the odds are for you. Okay, I would say Lamelo one, Wiseman two. Man. I would say Edwards three, and then I don't know enough about. Aren't the Bulls like pretty into Obvia, right? Well, here's the thing about that is, AK Arturus Karnishovas, the the new GM, has done a pretty good job of not revealing anything about anything. Like Billy Donovan, that hire came out of nowhere. All yeah. the rumors were that Jim Boylan was going to be back, and then boom, Boylan got canned, and then they hired AK. So, I. I wouldn't say any rumor that you hear out of the Bulls take with a grain of salt. Okay, let me flip it then. I'll do Okonwu 3 just because this would be a funner one to bet actually for odds. So Okonwu 3 and then Anthony Edwards 4. What would that right. net out? All right, so you got what? Ball, Ball Wiseman, Wiseman, Okonwu, and then Edwards. Okay, one second. I'm, I'm looking through yep. Ball, Wiseman. Uh, this one might not be on the board. Yeah, it might not even be on the board, but... Ball. Try Edwards three then. If can you just do the top three picks and Edwards three? No, you can't. Oh really? Yeah, that one's not even four. gonna be on the board for you. So Dang. um You know you it's can gonna do, happen now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can't even bet it. Exactly. So <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, that one I think is a, an interesting one. A couple others here. Um how many ACC players are drafted in the first round? The number's five and a half. If you think it's going to be over five and a half, you're getting a pretty penny at plus 400. Can we name five players, or six players rather, that can be first round picks in the in the draft? Do you want Pat to try to Williams. do this exercise real quick? Yeah, Pat, Pat Williams. Williams, Vassell are your locks, Yeah, right? Williams is just rising up boards. It, it's kind of staggering how much he's he's changed. Um, Cole Anthony Cole is Anthony. probably a first All round right, we're guy. At, we're at three. Um, I was about to say Jalen Smith, but Maryland's out of the ACC. Um, yeah. who else? You said the I numbers mean, five. I mean, Hughes is like we talked about him. Hughes but... is a fringe guy. Yeah, I think he. There's a there's a world he goes like thirty or twenty eight. So, yeah, but I don't know if I'd be betting on it to happen. Right. So there's got to be so other guys named... that we're just forgetting about. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of, of who else. But I've got those. What do you think of Sadiq Bay, by the way? I was just thinking of him. Oh, you're you're just throwing names out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Before we. I mean, Sadiq Bay is going to be a nice. Again, he's one of those three and D guys. Yeah. uh, I kind of like it. Of many in in this draft. So um, I I find that to be another, a very interesting one. All right. Trey Jones, Um, he could be a first round pick, I think. Yeah, um, there could be a world where I mean, yeah. I don't think Cash Stanley's going to be a first round pick. The the Duke the Duke guys are really holding back that prop, man. Yeah, Vernon Carey's like late second round, which I don't know what to think of that because Dude, two actually maybe not two years ago, 
five years ago, Vernon Carey would have been the number one pick in this draft. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think right? it's just like, the modern NBA is not Vernon Carey. Like, he's, right. he's super good, but yeah. Um, no, I would take the under. I mean, just based on... I'm sure we're forgetting someone, but... I just looked through a couple uh, of uh, mock drafts. We're not forgetting anyone. Really? Okay. Like, yeah, War is not under, going folks. first round. <laughs> yeah, War is not going first round. So, um, Big Ten players, one and a half. Yikes. <laughs> so, <laughs> we've got Jalen Smith. Oh, yeah. I think your guy Jalen Smith's going to go first round, but I'm, I'm trying to think through some of these other prospects. Uh, yeah. Again, I, we're getting we're getting. What about the Michigan State here. guys? Winston, he's second round. Cassius can he? Yeah, can he slip into the first round? Hmm, maybe. Um, we're getting screwed by the phantom international prospect this year, right? Yeah. Like, Killian Hayes, <laughs> phantom international prospect. Lamelo, phantom international prospect. RJ, phantom international prospect. Um, who else we got here? That is the Luca effect, though, I think, is that yeah. people are just like, oh, I can talk myself into Killian Hayes. I know it's different leagues. Like, don't get me wrong. They're different players. But it's got to be some of that to an extent that people were like, why did we miss Luca? Which Luca was just a different breed. I mean, when we did, if we would have done this show before Luca, I think you and I both would have had him won. I, I don't know why teams were so. And it's such hindsight 2020. I get it. But I was telling people that kind of when it was happening too yeah i i liked trey too much in that draft uh yeah. to have gone luca but okay here's three more props and then we're going to get out of here again all of these props courtesy of bovada pack 12 again we give these two conferences a lot of crap the pack 12 and the sec both of their numbers are five and a half really with the with the under getting minus 125 juice on both the over minus 115 juice on both so sec you got edwards uh, Okuru, um, Naismith. Kira Lewis. Yeah, Kira Lewis is another one that some people really like. Um, who else in the SEC? Is there um, any Florida guys? No, not that I know. No Florida. Robert um, Woodard is Mississippi State. I think he's like a second round guy. Don't know if he'll yeah, get into the that first. Could be a, that could be a, a good one there. And then um, Josh oh, Green out of Arizona. Tyrese Maxey, too. Oh, wait, I'm thinking yeah. Pac-12. Uh, oh, yeah, Tyrese oh, yeah. Maxey. Um, uh, and we said a core. Yeah, and then Pac-12. I mean, there's a ton. Let's a All right, ton. let's do this exercise. If we can name Pac-12 in the next, like, reasonable amount of time without stalling, then we will take the over. We have to take. Yeah, yes, okay. I'm in on this. Okay. Ready? Ready? Okay, Okonwu, Terry, um, um, Josh Green. Um, man, you're flying. Yeah, we've got, we got half... Half the board off. Do we like Peyton Pritchard? Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's first round. Okay. Right, do we like said... Nico Mannion? Oh, what about uh? No, he's he's not first round. I was thinking of um, someone else. I was thinking of uh, Najee from Arizona. Um, Nico he Mannion could be, could be first, first round. Yeah, Zeke Najee could be first round. So that's so we got that's some what, iffy... five right there. Uh, Jaden McDaniel, Washington. Um, we got McDaniel's and Isaiah Stewart from Washington. Oh wow! Okay, we've hit we've hit the over, right? Yeah, Stewart well, might not. Be we've first named round. like seven. Yeah, I saw McDaniel's on a mock. I think it was the Ringer going to the Thunder, and I don't know why. I was just like, that makes so much sense. <laughs> like, can't yeah. you see? Jay- Especially He's with just all the Thunder got player. Now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we named like eight guys that could go in the first round there, and to yeah. me, that 
that's enough to say take that. Tyler out. Bay, so, that's another one. I think he's second. Yeah, round, out of Colorado. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I like. Yeah. That okay. One. Let's take Pac-12. Pac-12. All right, hoops. And then, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and then I don't know where they come up with this line. And again, heavy juice here, but Duke players in the first round minus eight fifty for under two and a half. Two and a half's your number. I don't think a single Duke player goes in the first round. Yeah, pretty shocking. Jalen Johnson will go in the first round next year, but it's kind of a trend that we're going away from Duke elite players. Like, there's not the Jabari Parker or the Jason Tatum's. Bagley. Yeah. Yeah. Stanley might go first round because he's just such an athlete. His over-under on Bavada, 40 and a half right now. Oh, I'd take the under there. If you think you're... And and you got to lay a little bit of juice, minus 125, but... That's that that's might a be a, a solid player yeah. there. So what is uh our, Jaden McDaniels? Does he have an over under? Jaden McDaniels, I believe, does. Yes, he is twenty four and a half right now with minus one thirty juice on the under. Uh, okay, I was hoping to be a little bit higher, but someone is just going to see the potential there and get too like intrigued. Get enamored, yeah. Yeah, the length. Yeah, they're going to get length into a pick. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. That's all we got here on our very, very extensive draft preview on the Made for March podcast. Please check us out on Twitter at Made the Number Four March. We'll be live tweeting throughout the draft as well, our reactions and all that fun stuff. So we're looking forward to it Wednesday, one of the best nights of the year for all of basketball fans. And we're looking forward to sharing it with you. So if you enjoyed this episode, please rate, comment, subscribe. And we'd love to interact with you on draft night as well. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys. We're going to have our... Next step, I believe we're on the Guy Lewis for our our college basketball tears of joy heading into the season. We're going to get that previewed out for you later on in the week, probably Thursday or Friday. So be on the lookout for that. We're really excited for that, and we'll talk to you guys later on in the week. The game was over. 